Welcome back to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS development. I am Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. Our goal for Under the Radar is for it to be a show that covers all of the various aspects of what it means to be uh, a developer, whether that independent or working in a corporate job. Like, uh, We want to talk a lot about all the various things that are important to people who are in development jobs. And so in our first, our first episode, we talked about something that was more business-oriented. Then we talked about something more coding last week. This week, we're going to take a slightly softer topic. But our goal is to kind of make sure that we're covering a lot of things and we're not just diving into one thing too much. Um, and hopefully that makes it a lot more interesting and a bit more varied to listen to. And so this week, we're going to talk about um, making your ideal work environment and what that looks like for us, the, the experiences we've had in setting that up, um, as well as just kind of like things that you should be thinking about. Because being a developer is kind of a funny job. We go to work by sitting, you know, we, we, we go into an office, whatever that looks like. We sit down in a chair and we push buttons uh, on a keyboard and a mouse. Um, and at the, at the sort of at the, at the end of that, out comes some code. And that's that's our profession. Um, but as a result, like the way in which we spend our time when we're sitting for you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week or whatever your particular work environment looks like, the way in which we do that is very important because if it doesn't make us the most productive, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. And along those lines, there's also things like ergonomics and problems with RSI and things that I know I, I myself are worried about and had some in, have had some problems with um, that I wanted to sort of dive into. But so, Marco, what is your current ideal work environment look like so basically uh i've i've set up my home office because you know i work only from home i don't have i don't have any other offices that i go to or work from um and that's a whole other topic that we, we might be able to get to today but we'll certainly talk about in the future um i have a desk that i eh, maybe I, I didn't quite steal it I, I i negotiated it as part of my exit from tumblr uh, which is an electrically raising and lowering desk. I love having the standing desk because a while ago I developed uh, some pretty bad back problems. I, I was taking way too many road trips and was basically spending way too much time in cars uh, over over a span of about a year. And so I uh, eventually developed uh, lower back problems. Uh, I, I had a herniated disc and everything. So in order to to avoid that and to, to kind of fix that, uh, I had to make a bunch of changes in my life, one of which was for... Uh, almost a year i think i exclusively stood while working and f at first i had rigged this up by stacking two six packs stacked uh with ikea bookshelves spanning across them so it ends up that is about the height difference that you can put a keyboard and mouse on and then another set of those uh on the back for the monitor to kind of make a, a makeshift standing desk from one that is normally a sitting desk uh, and then eventually we uh we decided to make it official and get really nice electric ones because everyone else in the office wanted them to and uh, and it's nice to be able to convert easily back and forth between standing and sitting um so you can do things like stand in the morning and then when you're tired in the afternoon you can sit for the afternoon uh it's nice to have that kind of variety if you have any kind of back problem and it's also just like you know probably slightly better for you there's various studies most of which are conflicting and inconclusive like most studies but yeah it, it's probably a good thing to mix standing with sitting in your day if you can uh, however whatever form that takes I also had RSI scares earlier. So a long time ago, I switched from regular, you know, kind of keyboards to the split ergonomic keyboard layout. Uh, originally, it was the Microsoft uh, Natural something something 4000. And I used those for a long time. It's a great keyboard. And then a, a couple years ago now, or maybe one, one or two years ago now, they, they released the uh, Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard, which is kind of an update to it. And it's another split ergo keyboard. 
and I like it a lot. I reviewed it on my site. I'll I'll add links to the show notes. You can see all these. I've tried other ergonomic keyboards as well, including the Kinesis Freestyle 2 and the Mattius uh, Ergo Pro. And uh, they're they're both very good as well. I still prefer the Sculpt. But anyway, switching to an Ergo keyboard really was one of the biggest things to to help me with RSI issues. And after that switch, I no longer have any pain almost ever. Since, I don't know, 10 years ago when I made that switch, I have occasionally tried to switch back to a non-split keyboard. Or I've like gone on trips where I have to bring a laptop and I'm using a laptop keyboard more heavily than usual. And every time I switch to a non-split keyboard, even for a few days, I do start getting pain again. And so now I just know, I know about myself that this is just something that I will probably not be able to ever switch back to full-time to like the regular layout, which of course has, you know, a lot of interesting ramifications with things like working from iPads and stuff like that. But my physical layout is standing, standing desk, most of which I, I usually am sitting at it these days. I don't, I don't stand often anymore, but sometimes I'll, I'll put it up to stands, but most of the time I'm sitting, I'm sitting on a Herman Miller and body chair, get a good chair. How many chairs do you buy in your life? Like, really? <laughs> well, if if you do my previous method of buying them from Staples and they're like 60 bucks, then the number might be pretty high. But uh, it, when you get a good chair, you tend to keep it for like 10 years at least. Uh, the Herman Miller Embody is great. The Aeron is also very good. Um, I, I think the Embody is better, but, you know, it's up to you. Uh, go to a fancy chair store and try them out. But, yeah, that's basically it. Standing desk, Herman Miller Embody chair, and uh, split keyboard. And the Apple Magic Mouse, which everybody hates. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was about to actually say, it's like I have a very similar setup. I have the same chair and keyboard, but mouse-wise, what I found is actually gaming mice are really great for development work, which is mo- is a funny thing to say because like there are all kinds of, I mean, I think the mouse I have is this thing, it's like the the Razer Death Adder 8000 or something. <laughs> like, I mean, they always have these very scary sounding names, like it's something ter- terrifying, but... Is it full of blue LEDs? I had a choice. I could get a model with or without the LED, and I opted to get the non-LED version um, just, you know, for, for for stylistic reasons. But yes, the what I love about a mouse like that, though, is it has an incredibly light touch on the buttons. Because obviously if you're playing some kind of first-person shooter and you're, you know, clicking that, that button lots and lots of times, and you need a very light trigger. It's sort of like it has a like a feather trigger on it, which... Um, is really is which I found to be really nice versus like uh, the Apple like the Apple mice. I have a whole like closet of them because they you know that you get one every time you buy an, an iMac. Yep. Um, but I've never used one because they're just it, it feels like I'm trying to like I don't even know it's like hold on to this ball this like bar of soap or something like it's clenching my hand in a really awkward way. So, but otherwise, yeah, I have a very similar setup for you the, the few as i have a desk that I, I have a desk that i got the like the ikea standing desk uh, so it has like a little the motor thing and it's like the ikea thing it was a couple hundred dollars i think it wasn't all that expensive i've never used it standing i got it when i needed a new desk and i was like well i'm gonna pay the few extra hundred dollars to get a standing mode so that if i need to at some point or it becomes something that i want to do i can um, i've always found standing to feel a bit awkward like i don't know if i just feel like i've gotten so used to i sit down when i work and like breaking the habit of like sitting down and standing up doesn't feel like working, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that'd be a bit weird, but I have it there just in case. Of course, the other amusing thing about my working setup that I wanted to mention is the thing that I've seen most people who ha- end up complaining about problems with ergonomics or problems. Like in my experience, it's one of two things. They're using a regular keyboard and they need to try using a split keyboard um, or their screen is too low down. 
because I, for some reason, I don't really know who Apple is designing their com- their computers for. All of their computers, uh, like so, so, most specifically the iMac or the cinema displays, the stands are ridiculously short. This, the computer is only, if you just put it on its own stand, it would be like four or five inches above the table. And for every, for almost every, you know, for, unless you have a very strangely proportioned torso, that means that you're <laughs> going to be looking down at the screen all day. And that's terrible for you. Like, it's sort of, I noticed this myself whenever I have to, like, I'm forced to work from a laptop for um, for more than a few hours. Because typically, I, I never use a laptop except for, like, when I'm at, you know, like, at a conference for a week or WDC, something like that, where I, I have to, I have to use a laptop. But I immediately notice, like, my shoulders get all tight. Um, I'll start to get like pain in my neck and all kinds of things because you're looking down. So for me, um, I kind of, I don't even know if if I should say this, but I, I kind of, I'm a kind of a hoarder of Apple packaging. So every Apple device I've ever bought, I have the packaging for still. But so my, my iMac is stacked on a MacBook Pro box, which, which <laughs> and then on top of that is an iPad box and it's, uh, sort of laid it's about it's sort of put on there and then i have a strap over it to keep it together Um, but it raises it up by maybe maybe about six inches or so and for me that's perfect so that like i'm the the one thing i remember when i think it was back when i was in college i had this really this this random like mandatory class that ever all the soft computer science majors had to take that was basically like how to not end up hurting yourself being a software engineer and they were talking about all these things about ergonomics and about um, like how you like work life types of things. But the biggest thing I remember they said, it's like, would you want to look if when you set up your work environment, there should be no tension in any part of you. Like everything should be neutral. Like your elbows should be at a nice 90 degree angle. Your shoulders should be relaxed. Um, your legs should be at a nice 90 degree angle. Like everything, nothing should be in tension. And the only way I've ever been able to do that is to lift my iMac up, put my keyboard at normal at like and this is actually a nice thing about having a standing desk because you can make your table height whatever you want. So, like, my table height is nice and low. And for me, I found that to work really well. Yeah, definitely. And that's, like, this is one of the worries I have about our industry in general, But although this problem usually kind of solves itself through force, through RSI and, and neck and shoulder problems, um, is that it seems like the, the default developer workstation has, has shifted over the last 10 years. It used to be a desktop computer. But now, I think for almost every working developer that I that I have encountered in in real life, they're almost always working on a laptop full time. It's a fifteen inch MacBook Pro. Right? Exactly, like, yeah. that's what it's, everyone has. That is like the workhorse computer. It's not. It's not the new MacBook One. It's not the MacBook Air. It isn't even the thirteen. The most common computer by far that I see developers using is the fifteen inch MacBook Pro. No matter, and even if they're like web developers, even if they're not even iOS developers, even if they're web developers or something else, it's a fifteen inch MacBook Pro almost always. Uh, but the problem is so many developers work full time on a laptop sitting on a desk without external stuff, just like on the laptop itself. And, you know, if it's somebody I know who I wouldn't mind, you know, ribbing a bit, I'll ask them like, you know, so by any chance, do you have like neck and shoulder soreness or problems? Because hunching over a laptop is really not good long term, as you said, like it, it, you really should be looking straight ahead, you should be looking at, a, you should be typing on a keyboard that is, you know, by proper ergonomics, the keyboard needs to be fairly far from the screen. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of impossible to get good, good ergonomics out of a laptop. Um, if you have a laptop and you're working at the same desk every day, uh, one setup I did, the setup I did for years when I was working on a laptop was you'd have the external keyboard, mouse, and, uh, and, and uh, monitor. And the laptop would be propped up on a stand next to it. So the laptop would be the second monitor. The, the external monitor would be the primary. 
and then you'd have the keyboard and mouse at so you could you can simulate a, a really nice desktop by using a laptop with external peripherals and a stand and if you're going to be working on a laptop full time that is by far the setup I recommend because you get double the screen space. You don't have to deal with the weirdness of the, la- of the laptop working in clamshell mode, which is never good. <laughs> it's always a hack. It's always unreliable. Um, there's occasionally some heat issues or some melting the screen issues. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. No, it's it's really it's not it's not reliably good. Um, but having the side by side on a stand setup is great. And if you have to work on a laptop full time, that is the way to do it uh, ergonomically and. I, I wonder about how this how this ends up working with like if we have a future where we're working more on iOS devices, you know, the the smartphone I'm not too worried about the ergonomics of smartphones, but that might also have the the kind of like neck looking down issue. I am a little concerned about what happens if, if we get really into tablets as an industry of like working on tablets, uh, because you you use your hands on a tablet keyboard the way you would on a desktop keyboard. Like on a smartphone, you're using your thumbs. You're not. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a whole different position. Um, and a smartphone, I don't think would be fatiguing in the same way because of like the way you're holding it in your hand seems like a very natural position for your hand to be in. Yeah, your fingers are fairly neutral. Exactly. On a small tablet, you're probably doing the same thing. On a big tablet, you might be doing on-screen typing, touch typing style, or you might be using an external keyboard. And that, I think, is going to have ergonomic challenges, similar to what laptops have, if not a little bit worse, because everything's a little bit more cramped. And we don't yet know the long-term ergonomics of these things. You know, we've had computers, like PC-style computers, we've had those for decades to be able to study the ergonomics of long-term use and, and the, the effects of, of this use. We've had so much time to study this and, and to figure out, you know, good ergonomic practices on this and what's good and what's not. With all these new devices that we have, they're just too young. We, we just haven't had the time yet to figure out, like, what happens ergonomically if you work on a tablet for 10 hours a day for 10 years? Like, we just don't know yet. And I'm a little scared if the industry moves more towards these things, that actually makes it harder to get good ergonomics. Because, like, the, the world of, of desktops and laptops and PCs, every person can kind of pick what works for them and mix and match. And there's tons of availability of, like, of things you can do, keyboards you can use, mice you can use arrangements of the setup kinds of setups there's all this variety as we move towards these these kind of all-in-one integrated devices and ipads and phones and everything i feel like the 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 amount of variety possible is substantially smaller as we keep moving towards everything must be as small and thin and light as possible small and thin and light are often in conflict with good ergonomics uh, which is one of the one of the problems Apple has with the, with the design of its product. And as you mentioned, the whole reason the the iMac and Cinema Display stand is so short is because it looks worse when it's taller. <laughs> like it doesn't look yeah. as nice, and that's why it's short um, to make it look better. And oftentimes, proper ergonomics don't look that good. It's always this balance that has to be struck. And I, and I hope by by talking about it here, I, I think my my main hope is that people, especially young people for whom like it's not too late yet like i hope that people really take seriously their own ergonomics because the problems can accumulate quickly you know like i i first had rsi pain after only about a year and a half of working full-time as a programmer i was like 23 or something it was, i was very young still and it came on immediately like it was it was so quick i developed my back problem when i was only like 25 you know, like the, it, the, this stuff can happen when you're young and the earlier you catch it, the better. Uh, and the earlier you develop good habits, the better. 
Yeah, and I, mean, I had a similar experience. Like, our very early on in my career, I discovered that if I typed for, if if I, especially if after like a session where like you really get in the zone and like you're really working and like you have the the, mo- the thing where the, the days where you like you look up and it's like, wow, I've just been sitting in exactly the same position for five hours straight. Like, I haven't moved because I've been so focused on what it is I'm building, which is awesome. Like from a development perspective, but then I'd like get up and it's like, how? Like that? Like it hurts. And then you start to have the thoughts of it's like, if I can't type, like I can't, I can't do my job. Like it's, it's a kind of one of those scary, like disability type of things. Like if I, if I ended up hurting myself, like it would be like my hands are what I use to make my, to do, to do my work. Like I can't, there's, there's not really, I mean, I'm sure that I could work out ways around it, but it's so, such a, such a vital thing. And like you said, it's like, I, the reason I want this early on, early topic for me is it's like, it's an important thing. Like it's, it's one of the few things that as a profession, like we just professionally, you have to take care of yourself with, because if you lose the ability to type or to type without, you know, to, to type comfortably, like it's going to be a pretty serious problem. And all of these types of pain, uh, whether it's like wrist, wrist style pain or, uh, or neck and shoulder or back pain, all of those things come on very slowly and then leave very slowly. These aren't like, oh, I'm sore for one day and then it's normal. They, they, they could last weeks or months. And it's over weeks or months that the bad habits get built and that, and that the problem gets exacerbated. Again, they come on slowly and they leave slowly. So it is important, like feeling any wrist or neck or back pain is not normal. Like if you feel any of that pain after any day, you're doing something wrong. And so there's always room for improvement. You know, the more you move around during the day, you'll, you'll help your back. How you sit, if you sit like with good posture, that helps a lot. How you use or don't use armrests and wrist rests. If you have a keyboard, it, look, it, please use a split keyboard if you can. If you can't or refuse to, at minimum, please do not use the feet on the back of the keyboard that elevate it up. Because that is working against you so hard. Any keyboard you type on should be either flat or should actually be what they call negative tilted, which is that the front of it should be higher than the back, which no keyboard has that option that I know of except natural keyboards uh, to do that. That is like the more comfortable and better for RSI angle that a keyboard should be at. The feet on the back that prop it up that all of us used like in the 90s and 2000s because we didn't know any better. If you're typing upwards on a keyboard that's like that's the back of it is higher than the front, you're actually making your wrist tilt in a horrible position that can really exacerbate problems and bring on RSI faster. And and this it's just like this kind of basic stuff like this. A lot of people just don't know this. Like if you just if you have a properly aligned keyboard and you have your monitor at the correct height and your and your desk is at the correct height. Even if you don't have a fancy electric raising and lowering desk, you can probably adjust the legs in your desk to different heights. Most desks have that. Having the proper height of everything, just the basics of that, that is so important, and it goes so far. And for many people, myself included, these minor changes or the, or caring about these few minor areas, that's all you need to prevent RSI. You know, And I don't know what my future holds, but I know I've been able to work now full-time for, what, 10 years at least? Uh, and... I only had RSI issues that that first year and only until I made these changes and now I'm fine. So really, they can have a big difference. And one thing that's also probably worth mentioning is in my experience, like I've, I've, I haven't had a corporate job in a long time, but whenever I did, anytime I went to my boss and said, hey, I'm having some RSI related things. Can you 
like, could I get a different keyboard? Could I get a different stand for my laptop? Like every time they like fall over themselves to take <laughs> care of it for me, because from their perspective, like it sounds like a horrible live, like workers comp liability situation. If I, right. If, if, if all of a sudden it's like, so I was working, you know, doing the, doing the job and with the in equipment you provided for me and <laughs> now I'm unable to work. Like that's, that's their problem in a pretty serious way. Yeah. And this stuff isn't expensive. Yeah. And like, and if you're independent, it's like, spend the money on this. Like I, I remember when I was first starting out, like buying a chair that was like, you know, like, I don't even know, like a, an embodied chair is at least, at least a grand. Yeah. I think it's like 1300 or something. Yeah. It's like, it's an expensive thing when you're starting out. But it's like, if I don't get a good chair, like I'm just going to end up regretting it later. It's like, it's kind of one of these things that you have to just sort of invest in because you're going to spend so many hours sitting in this chair every day. Yeah, and you don't, and you know, we're not saying that you that the only good chair is thirteen hundred dollars. But when you spend good money in this area to get something really, really good, that is a good use of money. So it's not like totally required that you can't get any work done until you spend two grand on on your physical office setup or whatever. But it is money well spent if you can. And and stuff like a natural keyboard. I mean, that's like it's a natural keyboard's like fifty bucks. Like it's not a ton of money compared to a computer. Uh, so that like that kind of stuff, changing your monitor height can usually be free <laughs> if you can find some apple boxes that haven't been thinned out too much <laughs> that can usually be free uh you know stuff like that it, these these small changes putting down those stupid stands on your on the back of your keyboard is also free like most of the stuff you can do very easily this episode of under the radar is brought to you by ns screencast NS Screencast features short, focused screencast on iOS development. Every week, you're going to find a new, fantastically produced episode that will help you build and enhance your development skills. Now, you can watch these videos on NS Screencast's site at nsscreencast.com. You can also watch them from the comfort of your couch with their brand new Apple TV app. All this costs just $9 a month or $100 a year with team plans available too, and you can go there right now. Go to nsgreencast.com slash firstcrack to get 30% off your first month. And they have a whole bunch of videos up there that you can watch for free, so you can see what it is like, what their videos are like. They're very high-quality videos. And then when you pay, you have access to the full library, not just the free ones, and they are such high-quality videos. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention something from my own experience that was very similar to NS Screencast. Like, it, it, NS Screencast is an awesome tool, and it reminded me a lot of actually of a, a the way in which I, back in the day I learned how to program on Ruby on Rails, which is there was a, th- a similar thing for Rails development called uh, Railscast. Originally, I remember being a little timid to sort of like sign up for things and like buy videos. It's like, come on, I can like read the documentation, I'll be fine. But I remember one of these things that I found when I start. That's how, and ultimately, like eventually, I you know bit the bullet, I signed up. And I found that it was compressing dramatically the time it took for me to learn something. Because watching somebody else who knows what they're doing show you how to do the thing that you're trying to learn is just so much more powerful and effective from a time perspective than ever sort of slogging through it yourself. Where maybe eventually you'll get there, but from an efficiency perspective, from a, you know res- respecting your own time perspective, something like this, a resource like this is very powerful. Thank you so much to NS Screencast. Go to nsscreencast.com slash firstcrack for 30% off your first month. Thanks a lot to NS Screencast for sponsoring the show and Relay FM. All right. And I think the last sort of topic along an ideal, our ideal work environment, it seemed like we couldn't uh, brave, sort of wade into this topic without at least barely t- slightly touching on the things that we listen to while we code. Because I think one of the most universal things about programmers is if you go into an office, if, you, if you're trying to find where the development team is, it's always the group of people just in, in a line wearing headphones. That there's something about developers that we just love to listen to things. And I know you're a bit of your headphone 
um, tastes are quite refined. <laughs> um, but I was just curious, what do you normally listen to and how does that go for you when you're, when you're developing? I mean, to me, it's it's all about isolation, right? And and I, that's why developers wear headphones while they're working most of the time if they're working in an office because you need quiet, you need isolation so you can concentrate. And private offices are probably way better for this. I don't know, I've never worked in one. Uh, but the the open plan, which is where I think most developers find themselves working these days, is so hard to get any work done if you don't have some kind of isolating headphones with music playing. So I think working in silence is probably better if you could actually get silence but in the absence of, the, of that option uh when you're working in an open plan the best thing you can do is first of all if you can if you can help it find a, a a seat or a desk that does not face the door so that when as people come in and out you aren't constantly visually distracted but yes also then when you're listening to you know put headphones on block out the sound and put on something and i don't really care what it is what what helps the most is if you if you put on music that you don't have to really think about for a while. So like shuffle is bad because if you're shuffling through your whole music library, you're going to have these constant jarring transitions between songs and there's going to be some songs that come on that you don't want to hear right now so you're going to have to skip them and all that is distracting. Uh, what I like to do is put on something that it's going to play straight through no shuffle, long shows or long albums that are going to play straight through that I already know so I'm not going to have to think about it and that won't be distracting, and that will provide a nice constant level of noise, not something super quiet uh, that will not be as good as blocking out at, at blocking out the sound. And for me, that is fish. Lots and lots of fish. For many reasons, I've talked about a lot in other places, so I'm not going to go too far into it here. First of all, I just like it. But second of all, fish provides these these live show sales. That, every concert they do, you can buy it as, as a live show. It's nice because it's it's just different enough each time that it doesn't feel like you're listening to the same album on repeat, but it's the same enough that they're still the same songs generally that you know. So it's the same enough that it, it isn't super distracting. And they're long shows. You can you know you can buy hours and hours and hours of, of fish shows every year that you know new ones every year that come out. So it provides what I want, which is that that kind of straight through playback of something that I can just jump in, hit play, and then not think about it for the next three hours as I work. And it's just it's there. It's consistent. It's nice. It's I like it. I enjoy it. It's motivating for me. Uh, and it really serves to help me keep focused. Yeah. And it's funny because I think I am so similar. Like, you know, I like the isolation. I like kind of something to keep my mind. It's almost like I want to activate and have a certain part of my brain active that isn't my development part, but it keeps it busy. So I'm not thinking about it. For me, I listen to cheesy pop music, like <laughs> as cheesy as can be, like, t like, like as uh, that's what I love. And I don't know why I think like the peppiness of it is, is really helpful to me. But it's like you just got to find something that'll keep your brain engaged in what it's doing without um, being distracted by other things. And you just find it, you put it on, and then, yeah, it's like, what does it say? You, you plug in and off you go. Exactly. And because, you know, we work in these long bursts. You know, programmers tend to work in these big chunks of time where, you know, some people call it being in the zone, uh, whatever, whatever you call it. This is generally how almost every program works that I've ever heard of or talked to. And so, like, you can't, you can't be in a constantly interrupted environment. You can't be, like, in an open environment where everyone's asking you questions every five minutes or you have to get up constantly to go do something or you have to keep going in and out of meetings all day. It's very hard to get good programming work done in that kind of environment. Uh, so anything you can do to keep yourself in the zone, keep yourself focused, usually is worth it. Good closed headphones. I'll put a link in the show notes to my favorite closed pair, which is only like 150 bucks. Uh, the uh, Audio-Technica ATH M50X. 
and uh, it's you know good closed headphones with good music that you like that you don't have to think much about uh, that can last for a long time at moderate volume. Please don't blow your ears out because that's another thing that does not grow back over time. So please keep it at moderate volume, just enough to block out the world, not enough to blast your ears out. Yeah, highly recommended. All right, and I think that's it for today's show. Um, uh, thank you so much for the warm reception you've given us so far. Recommend us in Overcast, and otherwise we'll see you again next week. See you.